Welcome to the Claims Underground Podcast with your host, Corey Locke and Troy Willis, where we help policyholders just like you understand your policy and how to navigate through an insurance claim. We advocate for homeowners as well as businesses when insurance companies won't pay. So if you're tired of getting the runaround and ready to find out what's really going on, then let's get down to business and learn from the insurance claims experts, Corey Locke and Troy Willis. Hey there, welcome again to Claims Underground. This is Corey Locke, public adjuster. I've got uh, 35 years of experience, 26 with the carriers, uh, also a large loss adjuster, and, and the last nine years as a public adjuster, I'm an expert witness, and uh, my good friend and business partner, Troy Willis, is here. Troy, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Corey. My name is Troy Willis. I am a licensed public adjuster as well. I am also a retired builder, a expert witness, a certified appraiser and umpire, and I've been doing this for more than 30 years. I also work for insurance company as an independent adjuster, as a large loss adjuster, which gave me a little more insight on both sides of the fence. And today we're going to discuss your duties after a loss. We think it's important for everyone to understand what their duties are because personally I have seen claims denied because people didn't exercise these duties as they were told. And it's critical to know what they are. It's not a whole lot of this. It's very simple and to the point of what you need to do, but we're going to explain what you need to do and why you need to do it versus just what you need to do. So starting with that, uh, before we bring the question to the table for more clarification, um, kind of a brief of what you need to do. One, you need to give prompt notice to your agent whenever you have a loss or your insurance company, you call them promptly. Uh, two, you want to secure the property from further damages. Uh, three, you would keep all the receipts that you incur costs to. Um, and you don't want to go get crazy with costs without getting the clarification from the insurance company. They're going to cover it. And one of the most important things is you want to cooperate with the claim process. You don't want to, you know, tell them a bunch of things you won't do and why you won't do them because, you know, not cooperate, not cooperating with the policy. Um, with the, the carrier regarding what your responsibilities are can cause you to be denied a claim. And then the last part of this I would address before we get into this question is you want to provide an inventory of the things you lost inside the home from the, um, from whatever the loss is, whether water damage, whether it's fire, whatever the case may be. You want to put together an inventory um, and probably gather some photos if you have some just to kind of support what you had in there along with receipts. So with all that said, and, and, Corey himself would add more to it, giving you the shorter version of what we're going to discuss in this segment. We're going to talk about these duties after a loss. He's going to get into a little more clarification, a little more detail, so we can kind of get a good understanding for you of what you need to do. So go ahead, Corey, talk to us about these duties after a loss. I just called, I just had a fire in my home. You know, me and my family outside, we don't know what to do. We do know we got insurance. The insurance papers are in the house, and the house is burned up. What do we do? Well, you're going to give prompt notice, and just about every insurance company out here has a call center, and the call center is uh, something that you need to pay attention to because the call center and your first call is when the investigation of your loss begins. All calls are recorded. All calls are analyzed. All calls have a script that they're going to be asking you key points of what's regarding your loss. So, when you are calling in the most panic state that you have, that you have a fire, flood, whatever, they're going to be investigating from day one. 
So that person who has the best, uh, most pleasant voice and says, I am so sorry to hear about your loss. They are reading from a script and they're ticking <laughs> off the, the information. First, they ask, uh, what is your name? Are you okay? Is there any, how many people live in the house? Are they okay? And how old are they? And are they your children or are they relatives? This is a very uh, necessary but insidious way that they start their investigation. So be aware. You have to cooperate. You have to give information. So give the basic information and then let them know, uh, listen, I am uh, uh, in an extreme duress. Here's my number. Here's my email. Please call me back when I'm not staring at my burned out house. Can you get, send me over, text me or email me, the person I need to talk to? Thank you very much. Now, that's the short version. That's the short version. If you really want to have that conversation and you have a lot more issues that you need to talk about, then talk about them. But understand that everything you're saying is being recorded. Everything will be analyzed and anything that we will be, will be made available. And what you say to that call center will set pace for what you have going on for your claim. If you start saying, well, you know, quite honestly, I haven't lived in this house for six months and uh, I just came back here because the neighbor said uh, I had my house on fire or my house has vandalism all throughout. Guess what? You just kicked off a question about where have you been for six months and who's been living in there and have you been taking care of your property? So let's start with you cannot obfuscate or lie to your insurance company. That is not what you do. You cannot tell them a big lie. You can't make up stories. You have to be truthful. However, understand that saying everything that comes to mind in your panic state doesn't necessarily need to be said. So start with the basics. I am John. This is my phone number. I live with Julie. I have two kids and a dog. I don't know where my dog's at and my cat died in the fire. That's very factual. You don't need to say more than that. You don't need to say that you got marital problems or your kid you know, uh, has, has ADHD. I mean, come on, guys. Be factual. Be, be straightforward. But don't overshare. Uh, so that's the first thing in your duties. Prompt notification. Give them the facts. Make it short. Give the contact information for you. Let them contact you later so you can be clear-headed and give them a full account of what's going on. And it's nothing wrong with saying, listen, I'm very distraught right now. I don't have my clear thought in my head. I just want you to know about this loss. Contact me at this number and please send me over my claim number. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you giving the most basic information and getting a claim number. That fulfills your obligation. You know, I've seen <clears throat> too many times where people are very invasive that causes them problems. Um, you know, some right. things where people tell the story, it don't add up to something that would be normal. And like you say, they're giving this statement basically over the phone and don't realize that it is used against them later. Just in case the insurance company asks for a recorded statement, they're going to go back and reference everything you said from day one. Um, you know, some things are critical with basically, you mentioned this in one of our segments, we were speaking about a claim that, you know, you say the faucet, you got a leak just drip, drip, dripping, you know, over a period of time. And the question gets to be for some claims, is it a leak or a burst? 
uh, when it comes to defining coverage, which is, you know, I had to set an adjuster straight as well with that. Again, it was the simple conclusion of, you know, if it's drip, drip, dripping, would that be considered a leak or a burst? It kind of led her to it. If she go, well, that would be a leak. She thought she was answering the question. Then I fired her back off with it. So if the water shoot out the out the plumbing, that would be considered what? And she go, well, that would be a, and she stopped. I said, exactly. It would be a what? A burst. And she said, exactly. So now we got two different scenarios we are dealing with. And she had determined that because she was led to the water to determine that. But that becomes critical when you're making those statements over the phone. Um, I've seen many people call in about water damage in the basement and then they, you know, and they say, I got a flood. And, and to the insurance company, the insurance company go, we don't cover backup sewage. You know, and they start talking about the thing where I think it came, I think it came from the, you know, the sewage. You don't, you don't need to do their investigation for them. You don't need to be the professional that understands what it is that happened here. That's what their job is to determine. And too too often when those things are spoken to carriers over the phone or to that adjuster, they use it against them. They use it against them completely, uh, which will be one of our other segments we'll talk about one day is what not to say to insurance companies for sure while following the claim. Um, because again, just let them do their job. You don't have to give more information than needed because that inf- too much information is too much. And sometimes, you know, too little can be too much because I've seen people that just, you know, they feel like they didn't want to get in trouble. They they may have caused the claim by accident and they truly feel like, oh, my God, you know, they're not going to cover it. They'll cover stupidity. That's not the problem. You know, you just, you know the lying part will get you in trouble. <laughs> As we've discussed, there's no exclusion for stupidity in California. Not there's, at all. If you were no. working on your toilet, and you thought you could fix it because it was wrong. And you tried to do the, the plumber's job. And all of a sudden, you broke yep. the, the, the flex line. And you'd go, oh, my gosh, I, I, my baby. And you got to go pick up the dog, the baby. And then you got to, <laughs> where's the shutoff? I need to find the shutoff. And you're slipping and sliding. And you fi- finally you find the, sh- the shutoff. Guess what? You didn't do it intentionally. It was That's an accident. accident. When people have fires in their kitchen, they call them careless cooks. It's accident. Uh, that's right. Let's let's talk about that. So if you have you're cooking something, you're cooking your meal, and you get on the phone, or you're doing TikTok, or God knows what you're doing, and you get distracted, and all of a sudden you look over, and you see this white, white, <laughs> big cloud coming out of the out of what you were cooking, and it covers the whole thing, and you're it's gray, and you're choking. Is that a covered peril? Is that yeah. is that kitchen fire covered peril? Yeah, you were cooking. So, yeah. Did you intend to cause the fire? Well, let's let's not let's not do the investigator's job. Let's just take, state the facts. I was cooking. I got distracted, and um, it's all of a sudden I turned around and there was smoke everywhere. I was choking. That's 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 an honest statement. What isn't an honest statement, as you as you and I have come across, is I don't know how it happened. Water just appeared. Uh, how did water appear? I, I how many houses? How many stories do you have? Two. Where did the water come from? Second story. Were you even home? Well, and then you, if you say, well, I had this and this, and then it was this holiday, and we were going to do. <laughs> I heard that before. <laughs> and then we had to go down the street and get the dog. And then, okay, that's evasive as hell, guys. Come on. No one. I heard that before. <laughs> we know we did. We, that was the craziest <laughs> week. We're going to have this thing, the crazy of the week. 
So yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we really need a segment like that just to kind of tell a story. So people would never believe these stories for real. They go, there's no way that could have happened. Oh, they happen. I mean, there's things you would just not believe that happens in this industry. Either you got to have a, a, a strong mind for one, and you got to have a strong heart. Because, you know, some things will make or break you. And, it, you know, the stories just get so bad. And a lot of it, too, comes back to this question. You know, what did you do uh, to protect your property from further damages? I mean, a lot of times we depend on our carriers. to They're going to do everything. And some people totally misled by thinking that the carrier are even builders and the carrier are even mitigation companies and the carrier are emergency services. They'll get somebody out. No, they hire third-party vendors who work for them to keep costs down. And they're going to do the minimum amount of work to be done in here. You know, we had an adjuster the other day. We were on a uh, a reinspection with this adjuster who treat, treated our customer poorly. Is the reason she hired us. And this lady's going through cancer treatment. She starts out breaking your heart. She's going through so much already. And her husband is, you know, going through some things as well uh, with his health. And yet they hired us and the insurance company decided to have a manager reach out to them personally behind our back even though they knew they had representation. And then when the adjuster came out and when she got called out on the drying, we wondered, you know, how did you dry it? The house looks the same as it did. And she go, I just did. You just did. I said, okay, well, how much experience do you have in construction? She goes, that's not important. Okay, it's not important. She goes, well, how's this drywall still wet? I said, she said, why is that a problem? I said, well, when it was wet, it lost its integrity. Being it's a fire rated piece of material, that's a problem. So she decided the best way to understand this, being she was the adjuster, she walked over to the wall and she kicked it, physically kicked it and said, it seems sound to me. And we all looked at her like unreal. But yet that's an adjuster with one years of experience to decide that, you know, do what they want to do based on what people claims are. And they making that choice on what they want to do with these people. And that's kind of what we do as public adjusters by advocating for people. We're not here to increase the cost. We're not here to, inflate things and go after what we're not entitled the carrier would never pay anything that they don't have to they're not entitled to pay they'll never give you that money the question is is how do you get the money out of them and sometimes it requires a public adjuster like ourselves in our state of california a contractor can't advocate for his for a claim so he can't put things in his estimate that's required to do to rebuild his property back because he can't even negotiate them which puts the homeowner at a disadvantage already so fortunately for you know people with our jobs to come in and advocate, and we, us both being you and I, write our own estimates so we don't depend on outside estimators. That way we can advocate for what we know to be and trying to work off of somebody else's work. And I think you know it, when people know what they can do and know the, the disadvantages and advantages of insurance company, all insurance companies ain't bad. And, and like you mentioned in one of your segments, you, you, you like your insurance company, they're professional. That's a great thing. You know, I like my insurance company, fortunately. Not everybody can say things like this, of all things. Even a public adjuster of all people can say, I like my insurance company. But all of them are not bad. But it's important to read that policy, and it's important to pay for what you need. And if you do those two, you can minimize a lot of the problems later on. Educating yourself is the best tool to this, especially for something like insurance. For over 30 years of doing this, I've seen families ripped over this. Um, devastated and lost homes they can never rebuild. We watched a woman sell her business and lost her business based on, you know, the carriers doing things they shouldn't have been doing. It's not right. And, you know, and I think that maybe that could have been a different pace too when it was set. 
had she read her policy, maybe, you know, and understood her duties after a loss. But some of those that it was totally, and you you know the claim I'm speaking of, you, she couldn't do anything about all that, you know. But at the end of the day, they put her through all that for no reason, um, and they all went home at the end of the day, living their life, and it was all good. And it took us, you know, almost two years to get her her life back, you know, and and, and that's unfortunate. So I think you know, hopefully, these podcasts that we make get a message to people so they don't end up in them kind of situations, you know, and. and to where sometimes it gets that bad. I mean, she lost her business. She sold her building. She lost her business. That shouldn't have never happened. Because it wasn't even her her loss. It was the neighbor's loss that did damage to her house. You know, her property. I'm sorry. So, you know, again, you know, it's, it's, it's just people, you got to read your policies. You got to know what's in there. You got to know how to protect yourself. And duties after a loss is the first shield of protection to every policyholder. Just so you they can't come back and say, you didn't do this. I've seen fires in my experience where the people didn't board up the property. They was just didn't know they didn't know they didn't want to make a decision. They felt too many people was talking at them. You know, they, I let my insurance company come out, and then an hour later, the fire rekindled. And then after the insurance company come out, now you got two losses. You got two occurrences. And they came out, and this actually happened. We're not covering this. You didn't protect the property from further damages. And what you first said, and when we got on duties after a loss, the first thing you do is promptly report it. They did. We'll call them tomorrow. That's exactly what they said. And they denied that loss. You know, so if, if some of these things can be avoided and prevented just by people having an understanding of what they should or should not do. And, and if we can reach one person out here to know that let me not not do something if I have a loss to protect my my stuff. Our job is done. That's half the battle. We're trying to do this because uh, this podcast really originated out of the fact that Troy and I can't represent everyone that comes in contact with us. I mean, I must get three or four calls a week. Troy, you probably have five five times that a week. And the number of people that are in need and call us have repeat questions and have the repeat problems and get stuck in the exact same ways. And they say to us, my adjuster is not doing this. They're not paying attention to this. They are ignoring this. They're telling me this. They're, they're not wanting to pay more than this. This is an everyday affair for every claim that we talk about. But Absolutely. there's 360, last time I counted, or I was told, there's 369 public adjusters in California. 369 licensed public adjusters in California. Guys, there isn't enough people here to handle a major, even a small loss, <laughs> even so a small 3, loss. in Florida, isn't it? Over 3,000 addresses in Florida, over 3,000 yeah. in Texas. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of people out here in need. And the only way you're going to get the help is you become your own best advocate. That's what this was about. And we came to the realization that if we could give you a little knowledge, give you a little training, give you some tutorials and put you on a better glide path, you might not uh, end up being that person that just gives up. And so often we just get people at the end of their rope and we try to give them a little help, but their claim is so backwards. <laughs> we cannot turn around what is uh, three miles down in the earth. Uh, you know, it's hard to pull a claim back to a level playing field. And what we say over and over again is while the ball is rolling, the claim can get settled. But when they make a hard decision, then it's a lot harder to get that ball rolling again for uh, for a common understanding to get things resolved. So 
we're here to give you information. We're not here to ask you to call us, although that may occur. We're not here. To, <laughs> we're not here to get you to call us and get represented. That's not the impetus here. We have plenty of things to do. This is just one thing that, you know, we found ourselves just chatting with our, each other so many times a day. We just decided that why don't we just chat with each other on podcasts because we say the same things or we at least give out good information. And that's the benefit that we're giving you now. Absolutely. You know, I think one other thing that we didn't touch on in this, uh, and this should be a good place to end this at is, um, and I think this is being more critical because we, you, you know, we're doing this more often on claims that we come across because insurers haven't done it was the 60 day mark, you know, following this uh, swarm proof of loss is required as well under the duties after a loss. And that's usually done within 60 days. And, you know, uh, again, most people don't read the policy, <laughs> so you don't know to file it. Uh, but what it does, so you guys do understand how important it is, and it's one of the reasons that we follow on every claim. We file a, a sworn proof of loss on every claim and a demand for pay, proof of pay, uh, payment as well um, because the insurance company in California has 40 days to accept or deny the loss or the scope of damages at that point. And if they disagree with you, they're supposed to do a line-by-line -line item and go through it and give you an explanation on why that charge is sufficient along with the policy language that, you know, allegedly declines why they need to pay for it. Never happens. But that's something that they allege they're supposed to do. Uh, but how it works for your favor is, is that within that time of you filing um, the sworn statement of proof of loss and giving you that 40 days, it starts to clock the ticket. And so normally you kind of dealing with the back and forth, batting it over the fence with each other. And, you know, you send out an email, I send out an email. And this is what insurers go back through with the, with the carriers. But if you put them under the fire to follow the insurance law, then they have to actually re reply to this within a certain amount of time. Lots of people, I had a customer to call yesterday just to, to time frame. They're unrealistic on how long these things take, not realizing there's laws in place that allow these carriers certain time frames to respond to certain things that we do. Um, right. For a big example is communication that comes along with this. You know, people write an email and make a call and not realizing that they have 15 days to actually respond to you. That's a long time, two weeks to pick up a phone and call me back or send me an email, but that's their right. Um, every insured should be getting uh, a status letter every 30 days on their claim. You know, it's important for you to know what's going on with your claim. Don't just let these months and weeks go by. But when you file these proofs, it starts to clock the ticket and it has it has a different expectations of when things has to be done by a certain time. Even if it's forcing the carrier to make an undisputed payment, they might not agree with what's there, but they can be forced to make some payment to move along. So I just wanted to add that part to that. Um, I, I think it's important for people to understand what that sworn proof of loss would entail, you know, the time of cause of loss, um, the parties that's involved, any mortgage information that's uh, needs to be put on there because there's a mortgage company on it. Um, you know, again, receipts for living expenses, things of the nature where you want to list, what are you demanding for your loss? So um, anything you think we should add to that regarding this uh, duty after a loss on that sworn uh, proof of loss? I think we just need to be cognizant that when you receive that sworn statement and proof of loss, it's a very casual document. It gives you the opportunity to say, I am John and Betty Smith. I have this policy number. Uh, my address is this. My event that you're covering is fire, water, wind, whatever it is. Uh, and then it gives you a little area 
fill out here to the, your best of knowledge, what is the amount of your loss? And then it's either going to ask for a signature date or a notary. It's not that complex. It's just a piece of paper, but it's a very important piece of paper because you have to know that that 60 days is 60 days unless you ask for more time. And you can always ask for more time. That is not a problem. What is a problem is where you don't pay attention to that. So all of you pay attention to the demand and proof of claim uh, or the, uh, the proof of loss that's asked for from your insurance company. And just, you know, say that this is tentative. Say this is preliminary. You don't have to know everything. Just simply note the note the proof of loss and say, uh, based upon my understanding to date, this is preliminary. Right at the top, what are they going to say? You didn't comply with their request. Right at the top, sign it, send it back to them, and then they'll either say, "Well, this is not an information enough information. We're going to reject your proof." Great, give me the information why this is being rejected. I actually, in all my years, have had my proof rejected just once. And it was for reasons that had nothing to do with the accuracy of the proof. It had nothing to do with me doing it timely. It had nothing to do that it was that it was notarized. It had something to do that the insurance company didn't want to receive that proof, and they tried to reject it because that signed proof set the clock running. Look how many claims we've had where they claim we didn't receive it. <laughs> we know you received it, you know what I mean? But... You, you want to get that clock to run, and I think that's most critical for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure today talking about these duties after a loss with the folks, and I think we should leave them with our understanding. We always give you some feedback at the end of our segments, basically leaving you with an understanding of something that we, we also want you to know. Um, and today I'll leave you with this. Know your policy. Um, your policy is a contract between you and your insurance company. And it's very important to realize that you you know your policy to meet whatever those needs are in case you do have a loss. So, you know, know that it's your, it's your responsibility to know as well. So if you take what we're giving you and you take the time, even if you just got a weekend off or a day off or a night, or you just can't go to sleep and you want to read something to put you to sleep, grab that policy, pull it up, go through it, guarantee you'd be out in five minutes, but just go through it. And, you know, we always tell people, read from the back to the front. That's going to be my best advice for y'all today because all the good information starts in the back with all the changes, which is going to be the next segment that we talk about, which will be endorsements. So we're going to talk about these endorsements so you understand how they work and how they also benefit you by adding those on to your policy. So for tonight, we would like to say good night. I'm signing off, Troy Willis. And I'm Corey Locke. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Claims Underground podcast. We hope you enjoyed this segment. If you need more information on insurance policies, feel free to check out our website, www.claimsunderground.com. And remember, when the insurance companies won't pay, we're here to help. Until next time.